here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by David McDonald. Damon, it feels like I spoke to you only yesterday. Hey, you guys want to hear a fun little stinger? Yeah! Well, too bad. Damon takes an L. Because <laughs> you certainly did for, for two hours. Unfortunately, no one will ever hear that audio because uh, my bonehead... Uh, well, I had it recording, but I did not reformat my, my memory card for my recorder because, as everyone knows how we record this show, we actually record our own individual tracks separately, and then we send it to the great world-class editor, uh, Dan, who takes care of all of our uh, editing needs for the show, and, and that's how you guys listen. Well, guess who uh, didn't have enough room on his memory card? And about 30 minutes in, uh, the recording stopped on my end. But unbeknownst to us, <laughs> I, we kept doing a show. And we probably did, a, well, what would you say, about an hour and a half worth of stuff. Um, talking. We were in the middle of reviewing a show. And uh, I look over and... You know, the red light's not on, and, and the, the, the timer's not ticking, and that feeling in your stomach and in your chest where it's like, oh, fucking no. And I stopped Joel, and he's like, well, you better take a look at that, mate. <laughs> so I go over, and yeah, about 30 minutes of show. So uh, here's round two. I, I, woke, I, I told Joel, whatever time you want, whatever time you can do it. So right now it is 6 a.m., you know, 6.30-ish a.m. on the East Coast where I'm recording a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. And uh, Joel, again, has made time to uh, hopefully get this right. So I am sure I'm going to get my balls busted today, which is well-deserved. Um, but he's very kind. Joel's very kind in, the, in his, you know, he's like, it's all right, don't worry about it, don't sweat it. But I had maybe one of the worst nights sleep, tossing and turning, and just, ugh, fucking terrible. So, here we go, round two of uh, this show. So it should be, we should have ironed out all the kinks by now. Let's channel that frustration and that passion and put it into an even better podcast than the one we did previously. Let's open up with some music, Damon. Hey, you guys want to hear a fun little stinger? Yeah! Well, too bad. Damon takes an L. Okay, so uh, a couple of questions here I'll throw at you. At Central Nathan, did Damon get round to listen to Alkaline Trio? I've been on pins waiting to hear the hot takes. And at J. Michael Mastro, how could Damon not even mention Super Furry Animals last week? I can't let this go. So talk to us about Alkaline Trio and Super Furry Animals, please. 
All right, so uh, let's work our way backwards because uh, I'm absolutely more familiar with the uh, super furry animals because I, I am a fan, right? But I could only pick four, Joel. Uh, that was the requirement. So of those four, two of them had to be in, Jesus, Mary, Chain. They're one of my favorite bands growing up and still to this day. Um, and Oasis, who is uh, a top three for me. I, I have uh, always been a fan and uh, always appreciate the Gallagher brothers. So they had to be in the list as well. And then it was two spots, and it was that way, you know, you heard me struggling. Um, now, I may not have mentioned everyone on Creation's label, um, but I, you know, I, listen, I got a shout out for mentioning Adorable for crying out loud. I was, I was pleasantly surprised that someone even uh, knew of the band. And um, this uh, person was, was apparently yelling at their car. I love it when people yell at their car. It's my, my favorite thing. Just picturing someone driving down the road or maybe uh, on the subway or on the train listening and just getting all riled up. <laughs> I always like that picture. But I do love the super furry animals. So uh, uh, was it God Show Me Magic is one of my favorites. Um, great song. So no, I'm always there. Um, and then the Alkaline Trio. Yeah, so um, to me it's like... Um, there's a, I have a friend who, um, she's definitely into this type of music. So when I first heard this, I was like, ah, that's one of her bands. It's definitely something she would listen to. Uh, and it's, and it's good. I, what did I listen to? I listened to, uh, I, Spotify kind of knocks off, um, most, the most popular songs. So there was a, a song called Blackbird. I think it's one of their newer songs that I really like. I really like Blackbird a lot, but then I listened to like Private Eye and Time to Waste and Mercy Me and Radio and... Some of them I've, ha- I've actually heard before, but I think it's just a modern interpretation of uh, what punk was and is. And and you know, for me, it was Pistols and Clash and more hardcore, Seven Seconds and Descendants and stuff like that. So again, I, I think this is a more of a modern spin on the stuff that I listen to. So look, I appreciate a guitar at this point. Give me a fucking guitar, and and, and I'm a happy boy. Um, and three chords is all you really fucking need in my mind. So, um, no, it's good stuff. I think it was Nicholas who uh, uh, had asked that, um, who I had a converse, a drunken conversation briefly <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, again, not maybe something I'm going to go to every day, but, uh, yeah, not bad. Very good. If you're a fan, yeah, I can see why. Not bad. Uh, we've got a question here from the creative genius himself at Andrew T. Rich, who produces our wonderful musical stingers in this show. A uh, question for Music Damon, who you can hear on the newest episode of Music of the Mat. I went to the Foo Fighters concert and Joe Walsh showed up as a special guest to play Rocky Mountain Way. Do you have any favorite surprise guests from any concerts you've been to? Mm. I went to U2 um, back at the old JFK Stadium in Philadelphia and uh, Bruce Springsteen came out. Um, I'm not the biggest Bruce Springsteen guy in the world by any stretch, but I can appreciate a guy who, you know, is getting up in age that can go out there and just perform for three or four hours at, at a, at a pretty blistering pace. Again, the music's maybe not for me, but, um, that I can absolutely appreciate. I'm trying to think of anybody else. Um, well, Phil Daniels came out for Blur at Hyde Park and it did Park Life. Um, so that was nice because you never get that usually on you know, when I would see them in the States. Um, anybody else? Walkouts. No. I mean, I, well, here's the thing, too. I, like, this is how old I am. Um, I went to Live Aid in, in Philly when it was, like, Philly and uh, Wembley. Again, at JFK. Um, and there were plenty of walkouts there, right? 
Um, so, <laughs> so Live Aid, you know, it was about the famine relief in the 80s uh, uh, and, you know, kind of wrapped around the Bob Geldof thing and all that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a kid, and it was a long, hot summer day. And I was going, truth be told, to see Duran Duran. <laughs> and, um, but right before that was, uh, like, this historic moment of, like, Led Zeppelin reunion and Phil Collins was playing drums. And it was a pretty big fucking deal at the time. Um, I think it was, like, one of the first times Jimmy Page and Robert Plant got together. So they're out there doing their thing and doing all the Zeppelin hits. But I'm asleep on a bench, right? And then the next band that came out was Duran Duran. So I wake up and I'm like, hey, Duran Duran. And then the guy next to me, he was an older guy next to me, he's like, wait a minute, you slept through fucking Led Zeppelin and you woke up for this nonsense? And I was like, yeah, I'm a big fan. So uh, there's there's some music demon for you. There's a little de- a mu- a historic music demon for you. So um, there you go. All right. And we got a little question as well from the uh, Kings of Pro Wrestling podcast at KOPW72, which I listened to today. Really good show. Uh, so if you don't get enough uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast in your life, then definitely go and give those guys a listen. Uh, he, they want to know if you were at the Oasis concert at the Tower Theatre around 1999 when the opening act was Travis. I absolutely was. I was in the fifth row. Uh, me and the missus were there. It was one of the best shows I've ever been to. And that was right around the time. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, Joel, with the, with the album The Man Who. It was pretty big for Travis. It was, they were probably they were pretty massive at, at that point. That, what, that one album was took off for them. And they opened up. Um, great show. Yeah. No, I was there. Absolutely. I wonder if they, were there, if they were there, too. If they were there, great. You shared a moment because that's one of my favorite concerts of all time. A- absolutely excellent. Okay, serious question time. Thomas at TJQ15. If you were to win a dinner date sanctioned by NJPW, (laughs) who would you pick from the NJPW roster to go with you? Where would you go? How much would you tip the waiter? And finally, which New Japan wrestler would you want to do a run-in and ruin your date? (laughs) Now, full disclaimer, I do, I I do, I did answer this the first taping, right? Um, But my answer is still the same because I think it's brilliant, right? Um... I'm, I, I would uh, – and, again, I love these questions. Again, they're, they're, they're lighthearted. They get us rolling, right? They get us moving. Um, and, I, and I need these things to kind of help the show along. And I think a lot of the people enjoy it. Some people don't. Some people think it's uh, fucking, you know, nonsense. But you know, fast forward or don't listen. I don't give a shit either way. Um, here we go. I would say uh, Yujiro Takahashi. And, and here's my theory behind this. I, I I would kind of make it real low-key and be like, hey, why don't you bring some friends, right? Bring some friends. You know, we'll make it a casual thing. We'll have uh, a couple drinks. We'll go to a bar, have some fun, uh, listen to some tunes, hang out, blah, blah, blah. With the idea of that he's going to bring some of his young lady friends, right? So now I get Yujiro a little, a little toasted, and get him a little drink and I, and listen I might have a drink and I might pour it on the floor right kind of take uh, for every two I take maybe one and then uh then my move is to to slowly but surely ease my way into pulling away from Yujiro and moving over to the, the fine young ladies right so then I'm going to work that angle um so that's that's what I would do I would do 
that with, with the idea of I'm probably going to try and hoodwink Yujiro to 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 see what I can uh, do with these uh, his his fine young friends. That's what I would do. Okay, and the question about tipping and who's doing oh. the running to ruin the date. I'm a good tipper. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I we're, we're pretty big. We, we, I live in a big tipping culture here in the states, so uh, it's important to tip your wait staff. And 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 it's weird because you wouldn't tip somebody at like um, like at a McDonald's, right? I think the, the 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 rule of thumb is is that if you get your if you're at a table and you get served, you're tipping. Uh, but that, you know that's not even true too because you can go up to the bar and order drinks and tip um and that's a weird thing too like in in england you don't like if you sit at a table and wait for somebody to serve you drinks like order drinks you're gonna be waiting fucking forever right you're gonna be very thirsty you gotta go up to the bar right right i'm right, right now okay so in the states yeah. though you could do either or but you're still tipping right um but i'm a big tipper i'm a big uh 20 tipper or more so uh there you go. Uh, so I am a tipper, big tipper, and I'm I'm very self conscious of that. And then uh, who does the run in? Um, I said I, I, the last time I answered this, uh, I said Chase Owens, and my my thought process. Right, I, was, I'm going to jump in here. Go ahead. Right. No, you go ahead. You tell me your thought process, then I'll give you my thoughts on Chase uh, Owens. Yeah. So I'm thinking Chase because he seems like a a, a good dude, but a, a a good wingman, right? Um, and he might um. I don't feel as I don't feel the, the competition with Chase. Like if, if Kushida showed up, if fucking Kota Ibushi showed up, if like a real f- challenge, you know, uh, you know, I don't I don't need a challenge. I need somebody to help me out here. So and I think Chase would be that kind of guy for me. You know what I mean? Like he would he would help the situation as opposed to oh, here's a fucking handsome guy and now I got to fight this competition. So I'm I'm going I'm still sticking with Chase. What I would warn you about is if you are drinking and having a good time and getting yourself intoxicated, I'm assuming you're, you're probably at Yano's bar. Mm. And Chase Owens, he's he's a sexy man. He's got a bit of junk in the trunk. And if Chase Owens walks in that bar, you know, maybe wearing a pair of bongo jeans and you've had a few few drinks in you, then you might have a look at Chase and think, oh, mm. your, your whole plan might come undone. Yeah. Is it the bongo jeans? <laughs> they is make all the, the difference. Is that what it does? Okay. Wow. Well, listen, I could. I could well, again, I, I, I think I, I'm playing the odds here. If I gotta, if I gotta do this, right? I, I got no shot with Kushida, right? I got no shot. I got no shot with Akota Obushi. I got no shot. None. I feel like I got somewhat of a shot with Chase Owens. Somewhat of a shot. If he shows up in those bongo jeans, I'm fucked. So. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, maybe Yano himself, right? Maybe Yano helps me out. I don't know. Um, but I'm going Chase because I think Chase would, would be the guy to be able to help me out. He seems like that kind of guy. Seems like a guy that would uh, help help a guy out. So I'll go that route. So the betrayals continue for you, Dro, as if you haven't been through enough. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on. You know, I like to read positive reviews that we get. 
mm-hmm. because you know that's the the little deal I've got. If you write us a nice review on iTunes, I'll read it out. So we've got a nice one here from uh, Alex. He says the best wrestling podcast, intelligent, very knowledgeable, insightful, engaging, really true fans, uh, really enhancing my overall NJPW journey. So happy to find this podcast with what comes across as just two dudes who love NJPW and talking about the best wrestlers, matches, and storylines in pro wrestling. Great reviews, news, updates, content. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Thanks. Uh, hashtag uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13 Omega versus Ibushi, the golden match. Uh, that's very kind. Thank you, Alex. And I love getting the positive reviews. But I think it's very important for us to have a look at the negative reviews as well, Damon, because you're not going to grow and you're not going to improve if you just surround yourself in a little a bubble, an echo chamber where everyone's telling you how great you are. So I've picked out a couple of... Uh, a bit more negative reviews, maybe, uh, I wouldn't call it constructive criticism, but uh, certainly some pointers on where we could be going wrong. So this first one's from Reddit, and I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to be one of these people like these uh, insecure gotten to wrestlers who when they receive a bit of criticism online, they quote tweet it in a thinly veiled attempt to get their fans to attack the person who criticised them in the first place. So this is anonymous, I'm going to read it out anyway. Terrible podcast. Such a lack of understanding of pro wrestling, yet they call themselves fans. You have a faction civil wars, you moan about interference. Lamau! Yeah, it should be a brutal world where no one looks to attack each other. Okay. And then you put down Omega helping Hangman as not making sense, when just last week he publicly made up with Cody and Hangman. Do you guys even watch the product? Here's a tip. Don't take notes during matches. Just watch them like a real fan. And then the other guy rips on Jay White for 20 minutes before saying, okay, I'm wrong. Then proceeds to start ripping on Tamatonga for the exact same reasons. Lamau! And finally, interference ha! Yet more lazy Russo jives from nerds, as Doc would say, always has been and always will be interference. NJPW gives you 80% sport-oriented product, yet you want to cry about the 20% that isn't to your personal taste, yet makes perfect logical sense. Have to wonder, are you even NJPW fans? Won't be listening again. Aww. Now, he's, he's busted me here because... I'm, actually, I'm not an NJPW fan. I'm actually a spy sent from Stanford, Connecticut to try and take down NJPW from within. So he's, <laughs> he's blown my cover really there. Uh, well, that's a shame that, that, that uh, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting uh, that poor person's time. Uh, yeah, that's uh, look uh, to me. I, uh, you know, if that, that's one person's opinion and that's then, uh, I'm, you know, they're more than welcome to it. I don't, I don't see how I mean, I, I I would say for the majority of of the shows we, especially during G one, my God, it seems like we're we're you know our pants are down for just about everything. Um, but the things that we don't no, like, we have to like everything, Damon. I <laughs> know, apparently we do. Um, yeah, I just I don't understand sometimes that that line of thinking of, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to be as objective as possible and truthful with our opinions as possible. Um, I, you know, being objective is not a bad thing. I, I don't think, I, I don't, you know, I, to me, and, you, I'm and, sorry, and, do you mean being, do you mean being subjective? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, why would, I don't understand why anybody would, would look, I'm not even saying I'm right, but. Look online. It's not like we're just two people just trying to nitpick, you know, to steal a phrase, um, and and hammer something that that isn't there. It's it's obviously there. there. Look online. People are disgusted with 
the uh, finishes. Worse than we are. I mean, we're we. It doesn't make sense to us that that a a person would enter a G one and and intentionally get disqualified. Um, the ref bumps are borderline silly at this point. Somebody had a stat that was like forty percent matches, and and yeah, that I mean that's. You know, uh, it's it's somewhat hand wavy. People are fast forwarding matches and skipping matches because of a lot to do with what we're calling building the character work um, and and working heel. Oh, if I hear that one more time, he's he's well, he's working heel. Can can I ask a serious question? In two thousand and eighteen, we're still we're still talking heel and face shit. Like, has anybody? Bought a ticket because they want to see a heel get beat up? No, you go for the, the 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 match. You go for oh, it's this guy against this guy. Oh, that should be a good match, right? N- nobody's buying it like it's 1978 and we're fucking you know watching Bruno San Martino get his one up on Peter Maivia. Uh, nobody's doing that, are they? <laughs> right? I mean, yes, a feud is good and and entertaining, but nobody like he you know. Heels aren't – we're not buying tickets and filling buildings to watch a heel get, his, you know, his his due and the baby face, you know. That's not why we're watching in 2018. That's what we're uh, – uh, for any promotion. What are we – what are we, fucking 12? <laughs> right? Come on. Jeez Louise. Uh, but look, uh, and, and once again, I'll say we might not be for everybody, but we ain't fucking changing. I know that. <laughs> I just know how how this show is. I like the way the show is. Will we tweak it every once in a while? Sure, but but that general critique. Uh, I mean, find another podcast, my man. Uh, that's that's that that's the best advice I could give you. I mean, there's there's and there's plenty of them out there. So I would say find something else. You're not you're not going to be happy with us. That's for sure. But do keep the criticism coming because I find it very amusing and I, mm. I like to riff on it on the podcast. Now, I've got two issues with this. Uh, yeah. One is this uh, idea that you changing your mind and deciding that you're wrong about something is some <laughs> sort of weakness or some sort of fail state. And I've said this before, like in the world these days and in politics, there's too much of... Uh, criticizing or, or it being a sort of sign of weakness that you were wrong about an issue like if you have a, an idea and a mindset about something and then you hear some different opinions or read some facts or whatever and you change your mind that's wonderful it means you've learned something but in this culture and particularly twitter culture with these you know hot takes you got to be right the first time and if you're wrong and if you change your mind ah you lose um yeah. and that's got to change i think i do it's, t- i agree it's great something should be celebrated if you change your mind about something I told you many times that that, that I may have had an opinion or a thought, and I see it from my way because, again, your perception is your reality, and your life experiences lead you to where you are right now. I'm truly a believer in that, right? Um, but there are plenty of times where you come with a, with a an opinion and, and an idea from the same match or the same thought or the same whatever, and, you know, I kind of see a different light, and that's good. And I've said before, uh, like, how boring would it be for for me to do a show and have a have a co-host where we where we think exactly the same and we we react we have the same life experiences and we're the same age and we're the, like that would get old really fucking quick. Tim, just to be doing the show, I can't imagine listening to it. 
Um, but you are so right in the sense that there's there is this idea of ah uh, you, you can't. First of all, the, the, the idea of uh, you know how we're not fans. I don't I don't understand that. Um, I don't I don't I don't know where that's coming from. That's coming from a hurtful place, I think. <laughs> so, well, it's coming uh, from uh, what I think it, it's uh, hypersensitive fans, and they they tend to be Bullet Club fans. And any criticism of the product or criticism of the Bullet Club, they take it very, very personally, uh, which is ironic because I've, I've spoken about this weeks ago. It's these sorts of people who accuse others of being snowflakes, but you criticize something that they like and they just frothing at the mouth. It's uncanny. I mean, I get the I mean, I don't I mean, when you. I guess, the again, Music Damon shines a light here, you know, when your favorite band has two or three albums that, that come out and you, you know you think they're great and then the fourth one comes out and it's it's, it's a hunk of shit it hurts right you, you feel like you've invested in it and and you don't you you even say to yourself sometimes oh I, I, you know maybe i just got to get into it maybe i just have to watch it again and maybe i'm just missing something no it's a hunk of shit and it's okay that things are hunks of shit because if things weren't hunks of shit you wouldn't be able to compare that to greatness it's kind of like life where bad things happen right shit happens but that helps you really appreciate the good right um, and def- different people might have different opinions on what that good might be. But I think, by and large, the majority of the people that listen to this show kind of feel – and again, I don't want it to be a gigantic circle jerk because I do want differing opinions. But I just kind of feel like we're watching this show for the for the, for the the in-ring product most of all. And yes, there's stories and there's characters and, and that helps it along. But for the most part, it's – this guy going for this title is the story, is the overriding story in, in, in everything. And that's why we enjoy the product so much. Um, yes, there's Bullet Club stuff. Yes, there's Jay White stuff. Yes, there's, there's even, you know, stories to be told with, with LIJ and, and, and um, uh, other members of Chaos and even the juniors. And there, there's all these little sub-stories that are fine. But at the end of the day, I think the main reason why we watch is for the in-ring product. Um, I could be dead wrong. I don't think I am, but uh, uh, again, the best, the best, I'm not going to, you know, yell at a person for having that opinion. I think it's kind of a odd opinion to be truthful, especially for this show where, um, you know, I think we spend a lot of time praising, but if we don't like something, we're, we're going to be as objective as possible. They're, they're not hitting a hundred percent and then that's, that's cool. I don't think we harp on the 25 though. So. All right, sorry we, we we couldn't make your day. Yeah, so on the one hand, I would say we do need more space for uncertainty and doubt and nuance and debate and discussion so we can learn from each other and, and improve. But on the other hand, you're right. If I don't like something, I don't like something. And it's just staggering the number of people who've been uh, replying on Twitter, sliding into the mentions with things like, oh, you're supposed to hate them because they're the heels. I know, I know that they're heels. I know how babyface and heel dynamics work. I'm not a complete idiot. And I love that there's such a lack of faith in us as uh, podcasters that people feel the need to point that out to us. I get that they're supposed to be heels, but it's not making me want to boo them. It's making me want to skip their matches, which is not a good thing. So again, we'll come on to that later. The other criticism 
that we got, which made me laugh, was, uh, quote, let's get right into these shows, 52 minutes into the pod, lol. <laughs> Again, I, I the person has a point. I'm not going to argue lie. with that. No, I mean, like, you, I, I can't. That, that, is, that is an honest, truthful thing. We, we do take our time getting to what some people might consider the meat. Um, I'm sorry. That's that's. I can't. I I like the the, the, the warm up and the build, and I think that we have lots of people that do too. Um, it, maybe this person can 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 be a good egg, and maybe they could timestamp our show because certainly I can't do it. I wouldn't be able to do that at all. Um, so again, maybe they can do that. And and again, if 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 it's the 52 minutes of of stuff that you find to be fluff or not interesting, I don't I don't know. Start your own podcast and jump right in and talk about New Japan matches and stuff. And here's the thing: I think I don't think it's all fluff. I mean, it's some of it's lighthearted and some of it is jokey. And again, we take it tongue in cheek. Um, But some of it is just to kind of to grease our wheels and get us going. But other, it's just you know, we're trying to take a little bit of a lighthearted take on some of this stuff to to get people interested, keep keep the show moving and keep it fresh and. I, don't know, I, th- I think it's more entertaining and fun and and better to talk about than to just jump right in and be like, this match was great or this match sucked. We're just we're, we're warming up the audience. You know, you go to a concert, you see an opening band, right? Okay, some people, you know, spend more time getting beer during that time. Some people discover m- new music, right, that they, they may not have heard before for a band in a live environment. Think of it that way. You're going to a concert. You don't have to listen to the opening band. Skip it. Go move on. And wait, to, wait, wait, wait for... Uh, Wait for the guys and, and gals that you you paid to see, but some people. It's like again, the undercard, isn't it? It's this is the undercard. It, exactly right, Joel. That's a great being that we're doing a wrestling podcast. Why don't we Why don't we use that analogy? This is the, it's the undercard. Okay. Um, next question then. JDM at option underscore zero. Will Damon finally watch Being the Elite now that they're using Juice, Chase, Yujiro, Tongans, and covering G1 storylines? And uh, did you watch the most recent episode? And, and what did you think of Yujiro accusing Kenny Omega of being a fucking racist? <laughs> this look, I um, I I have watched it. It's not like I ha- I've never watched it. I just don't think it's necessarily for me. Um, they they are able to laugh at themselves, and they are able to laugh at pro wrestling industry as a whole, um, which I think is um, it's refreshing. T- it's a refreshing take. I again, but I don't know if necessarily it is for me. Um, I do understand it's an important vehicle for them too. They 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 use this to not only build their own brand, but to build. Uh, an audience and a dedicated audience. So I can't critique them for that. They're, they're smart and they, and they're working that medium very, very, very well. Um, Now, with that being said, I probably do need to watch more and be a little bit more mindful of it because they do sprinkle in storyline stuff throughout all the promotions that they work um, when it comes to being the elite or being in the elite, should I say, and bullet club and all that stuff. There is some stuff that I do kind of cringe and eye roll and hand wave. Um, you, know, you know, we're poisoning Adam Cole. I think it was Adam Cole, was it, was poisoned. You know, that's the kind of stuff where I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't know, again, if this is necessarily for me. And I'm not saying every show is like that, but, um, yeah, I, I can see why people enjoy it. I will watch it a little bit more because, again, they do play 
you know, they do they do plant seeds there, but again, some of the stuff might not necessarily be for me. Such as this tag match coming up for the Jericho Cruise between Jericho and the Young Bucks against I think it's Kenny, Cody, and Marty Skull. Are you, you going to be buying tickets for that? <laughs> I, I said before, who I want to, I just want to talk to them. And again, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to uh, 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 point a finger and laugh. Uh, but man, who you? Somebody's got some disposable income to be booked on a cruise like that. Like if you have a one vacation a year, and that's where you're going to go. Um, so I'm kind of curious. I don't know if this stuff, I mean, I'm sure it'll be taped, but I don't think it'll be live, right? You're floating in the middle of the Caribbean, um, with some kind of satellite dish hooked up to, uh, to stream this shit live. Uh, yeah, look again, they're making money. They're making money. Um, somebody's, so somebody's buying a, a, a cruise. Um, you know, maybe it's a birthday gift or maybe they're such a huge fan that they just they can't get enough bullet club so uh they got to go on a on a little cruise so and listen there's people that make fun of me with the idea of oh my god you're you're going to Japan for pro wrestling <laughs> right um so the, the people in my normal everyday life will will do that so um i get it but it, I, once again that's just uh, i can't see me dropping Three or four grand for a wrestling themed cruise. I'm a, I'm a, but and that might question my fandom once again. Maybe I'm not a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I can't imagine me dropping money on a on a on a Jericho cruise. And then wait, is Fozzie going to perform too? Ugh. <laughs> oh God. Take the wife. Sounds like a, a really romantic trip. <laughs> I, I was about to say, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's a. Uh, I see. I I I I I shared the story of uh, how I I hoodwinked a uh, uh, my prom date when we went to prom and uh, everybody goes down to the Jersey Shore and uh, after after prom because we're right you know in Philly we're maybe an hour and a half drive away and that's where everybody goes to binge drink after prom so uh, but I. Uh, but you vibe. decided to take your date to the Tokyo Dome on January the fourth. <laughs> I wish. Oh Christ! Uh, no, it, we we did we did a step below, Joel. We went to Baltimore to see, uh, uh, and it was a surprise because I didn't know it was there. Uh, <laughs> Ric Flair versus Lex Luger in a cage. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, that that girlfriend didn't last much longer after after that prom, um, knowing that she could have been with her friends drinking and having a great time. But no, she was watching. Ric Flair and Lex Luger in a cage at the Baltimore Arena. So there's 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 that's that, that's romantic Damon for you. That's how I would spend a date. I would take them to uh, a surprise pro wrestling show um, in the middle of Baltimore. That's how it's done. All right, let's talk about this C Block final for the uh, Budokan Hall show. We have got David Finley against Hanare, and I don't know if that's official that the winner of that is definitely going into next year's G One. But what are your thoughts on this? Well. You know, the one thing that I question is, you know, why is it Hanare and and David Finley that that all of a sudden are are, are the masters of the C block? <laughs> that didn't sound good, did it? <laughs> masters of the C block, because <laughs> um, that sounds like a couple of my friends, quite honestly. Um, sounds like the, the name of a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Again, I don't know why they uh, they get it because you know there's plenty of people. What about Chase? What about uh, Yujiro? What about uh, Tai Chi? Uh, your your Lord and Savior. So 
I think they have. Uh, he's going in already. automatically. He doesn't have to qualify. He's already in. He's already in. All right. I mean, listen, I just kind of feel like they, they kind of cornered that market really quick. So, uh, you know, listen, they're trying to make it interesting. They, it's, it's a long summer for those guys. They, they're, they're busy losing tag matches. They need something to do. And, um, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, this is something they can hang their hat on for the summer. Good for them. Uh, speaking of young Hanare, there's been some popular demands for the reintroduction of the segment. Joel brings up the political leanings of wrestlers and calls them dickheads when he disagrees. So he got himself in a bit of uh, bother this week on the New Zealand's Young Labour Facebook page. There was a poster, a petition asking Parliament to ban gay conversion therapy, which is a, a very, very horrible thing. It leads to a lot of uh, depression and suicides. But uh, Hinare commented on this post saying, yeah, but it's okay to convert kids to being gay, right, lol? Now, apparently he's got a history of calling friends and commenters faggots on social media. He said that people on the Trump protests in the UK should have better things to do, which in isolated things you might not judge so harshly, but they do tend to paint a picture of someone and their political leaning. So apparently it's fairly widespread amongst Pacific Islander culture to have these kinds of attitudes because evangelical churches are heavily influenced people's social development. So Hinari himself responded to these accusations saying, oh God, personal note, don't ever post anything sarcastic on social media. For any of you trying to dirty my name with your hateful remarks, I have never and will never shame anyone for the life choices they make, sexual or otherwise. My central belief is that everyone has their own inherent right to self-sovereignty by any means of the word. I have close friends and family that identify as being LGBT or otherwise, and I would die for them at the drop of a pin. Anyone who knows me personally will say the same. So whilst I don't think he has any real malice towards the LGBT community, the sarcasm excuse doesn't quite wash with me. There's still the lingering scent of dickheadishness about him. So we could give him the benefit of the doubt. It was a stupid thing to say. Um, let's hope he was being sarcastic. Hope he learns from it and is more careful about what he says on social media in future. I would hope that one day they would learn, stay off of social media. Not because of, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for what I say kind of thing. More of, yeah, you're going to get, you're going, you're, you're, you're saying stupid things, right? Not, not that you're going to get in trouble for saying them and not that you're going to get heat for saying them, but that you are saying, saying stupid things. Um, we got to just, just be better. And if you can't be better, man, just, just stay off, just stay off. Um, I don't. I, I can't paint a, a group of people with a broad brush and say that people of this region tend to think in a certain way. You're, to me, you're responsible for your own thoughts and your own actions and, and in your own words. It, it's, it's, it's important to understand that. Uh, I, I just I – would, I would hope – and again, I'm, I'm, I, I lean toward the fact that, that maybe it was just, just a, a – a, a, asinine comment and 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 we can leave it at that but if if you're telling me that he has a history and there is there is that then that's that's a shame you know that's uh, i i would hope that i don't know just let's let's just be better you know what i mean let's just be better that's that's really the the best way i can describe and and my second piece of advice would be stay off the social media man just just stay off because because um it's just 
it's just juice robinson doesn't have a twitter and it's yeah. working out very well for him yeah i think i think that's just as much the smart thing you know what i mean just stay off of the social media it's 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 you no one nobody really wants to hear that and and two it's you know it's just the you're just you're really opening yourself up a little bit you know you you're we have this little segment as a joke uh, segment and a little tongue-in-cheek segment. But there is a, a sliver of truth to it of, come on, man, be better. All right? Come on. What do you say? All right. So I hope one day we don't – I, I really hope one day it's Twitter and, and Reddit and, and, and Facebook posts, like we don't have to talk about that. Like the reason why we talk about it, and and I know people say, well, why even bring it up and just why just talk about the wrestling? Because um, we're the SJW it, casts, <laughs> right? We have we have to we have to uphold these. Things. You know, people talk about these things, and we get the comment. Like people come to us most of the time of, hey, did you see this? What do, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think of this? And some of that might be a little bit shit stirry. I'm not gonna lie, some of it might be, but. You know, if enough, if we get enough people that that feel the need and bring it up to us, it's it's something that I think we have to address. I think we would be somewhat. What's the word I'm looking for? Disengaged. I forget the word. Um, Disingenuous. I, I that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Joel. You're that you 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 are so intelligent. Um, I think it would be. You know. So anyway, be better. That's that's my that's my comment. Yeah. Be better and get off social media. A, a caveat to that. What I think is very important is when you are under attack, rightly or, or wrongly, then log off. Don't start replying to people because Joe Lance has spoken about this before. But when you wake up to your Twitter mentions full of people having a go at you, it does make you very, very angry. Yeah. So that is not the time to be doing more social media. When that happens, just log off. Uh, the, the advice given was just, you know, go for a run, do a bit of exercise, ask for some advice. Log back on, put in a full and frank apology, and then log off and don't log back in for the rest of the month until yeah. people it's with hard, goldfish though. brains have forgotten about it. It's hard, you know, especially in this day and age where it's like you're looking at your phone as almost a Pavlovian dog kind of thing of, oh, I have two seconds of free time. Let me go check my tw- my Twitter timeline, right, my, and my mentions. And, yeah, there's, trust me, there have been times where you log in and you're like, oh, I have – 372 notifications what the fuck happened <laughs> you know um this is not right so yeah um i think i think lanza might have beyond to something there it, it is very difficult and pro wrestlers they have a lot of free time on their hands and with their cellular devices uh they can you know vanity search to the to the cows come home they're kings of it uh they are they are masters of it you know, they have, again, they have tons of downtime and they're bored on the road. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is something to be mindful of being able to just walk away. And again, we did this opening segment and we added the criticism part and we did it a, a bit tongue in cheek. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody wants to hear bad things. Nobody wants to hear that you suck. Nobody wants to hear that, that, you know, you, you you shit the bed. Nobody wants to hear that your show sucks or your match sucks or whatever. But you know, it, it's I can't say it's not a listen. 
we do a show about pro wrestling and what we like and what we don't like. And and I'm kind of giving myself my own criticism of, yeah, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should just sit and watch the matches, right? <laughs> and just, you know, maybe we should just do that. All right, we're go- we're going on a ramble. Go ahead, let's let's continue. Okay, uh, next up is sad news that Masa Saito passed away at the age of 76 due to Parkinson's disease. As a relatively new fan, Damon, I don't know a great deal about Masa Saito. Apart from this story, I've heard about him being involved in an incident with uh, a brick being thrown through a McDonald's window. I don't know if I've got that right. But uh, could you tell us a bit more about the late, great Masa Saito, please? Yes. So, um, again, for me, being an old, tiny kind of guy, um, he was... Uh, a mainstay in the States for many different promotions uh, and many different territories. For, for me, uh, the WWF, WWE area um, and territory, uh, he was a former tag team champion with Mr. Fuji. That's how, that's my first um, memory of him. So of course he played the, uh, you know, the, the typical Japanese, you know, early eighties heel, you know, the salt throwing, cheating, devious kind of, uh, Japanese pro wrestler that seemed to be the uh, the norm in that time. Um, but then I remember one angle with him and Hulk Hogan in the AWA, where Hogan just got done a, a tour and Saito was giving him a award, you know, from the Japanese people uh, for all his work he did over there and wound up turning on him. And, and that's on YouTube. And that is, uh, I would recommend that. I like that angle a lot. Um, I remember watching that. When did I first watch that? I think I, I didn't watch it live. I think I got a tape of it. It was only like a compilation videotape. Um, so that's good, but I know that's online. You can watch that. Um, from a New Japan point of view, you know, he really didn't really find his wheelhouse for New Japan until like the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and again, probably his most famous match and feud was with, Antonio Inoki, uh, and it was, you know, those island death matches where, you know, the match would be you know, something ridiculous, like, you know, 14 hours long or two days long, and they were on this island, and they had to be helicoptered in, and they would just fight everywhere. Um, the, 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 the actual term of fight forever was fighting. They were fighting forever, and the match wasn't anything great, and I'm sure there's an edited version online. But it's, it was just one of those matches where you heard about and you had to see, you had to get. Um, he's also probably um, more famous for, you know, some of the people that he has trained. Um, Ricky Chochu being the one that kind of stands out. So, uh, yeah, he's a legend. I wouldn't necessarily say that you go out of your way to watch a Saito match in the sense of you're not getting the snowflakes. Right, you're not getting massive. You know, you're not getting, uh, you know, dynamite kid. <laughs> or you know, you're not getting, uh, uh, you know, all the all the snowflakes. But I think from a historical standpoint, uh, there are matches that you can check out. The the island match probably being the one, and the feud with Anoki are the thing that stand out. And then the other stuff again, he's probably more famous for for the American territory stuff that he was in. So. Um, you can always check that out on. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff on the on the WWE Network and and again, YouTube and online. There's there's plenty of stuff there. So yeah, those are my memories of him. Okay, uh, next question. Then Dave Meltzer said last week that the top ten wrestlers in the world are in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So. 
Damon, do you agree which NJPW wrestlers would you have in your top 10? And who else would you pick from around the world to fill out the rest of that list? I think he's got a, he's on to something, right? I mean, you go through that list and without even trying, uh, you know, seven or eight names come instantly to mind. Probably at the top of that list is Zack Sabre Jr., right, Joel? <laughs> right. Absolutely. He's <laughs> definitely number one. <laughs> right. A uh, little inside joke there, kids. Uh, so uh, Zach in there, uh, Okada, Omega. Uh, I mean, you're, Naito, you're, Ibushi, Naito, Ibushi, Hiromu, uh, Hiromu, I- Ishi. Um, I mean, that's seven right there, right? Zach. I mean, so let's do it for real. Now I, I, I miscount. Zach is on that list, right? Okada is on that list. There's two. Omega three, Abushi four. You putting Tanahashi on that list? Um, no. Naito, yes. Tanahashi, no. I don't. I don't know. No, you've said that. And Suzuki as well. He's had a great year. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you could actually make that conversation. Sure. I guess it comes down to personal preference, doesn't it? It, it kind of does, but but I mean, let's put it this way: they're if if they're they're in the conversation, right? They're absolutely in the conversation. Um, I think more importantly, right? Let's just throw some names from outside of NJPW who you think should also be in that conversation. Ah, uh, Kento Miyahara, right? I, I that's the first name that comes to mind. Um, I, again, I I to me um, a guy like Matt Riddle, I think you could absolutely put on on there. I mean, what about a, even a, a, a team like the Young Bucks? Would you put the Young Bucks in, in that list? Uh, I wouldn't because they're tag team wrestlers. And I think, I, I mean, I don't think this was given the caveat of being singles wrestlers, but I would keep them separate okay. uh, for this question. I put Pete Dunne in there. Pete Dunne, I think, I think is well-deserving. Sure, sure. And given Shiji Ishikawa. Ishikawa is, is a good pick. Sure. Um, going through the promotions in my mind. I mean, listen, again, we're talking top 10. Like, you could go through and say, oh, would a Keith Lee be on there? Uh, I don't know. Would a... Um, uh, Walter? A tra- Walter? Would that... Yeah. Would, would you put a, a top 10? I don't know. Maybe maybe just missing. How about Will Ospreay? Oh, yes, I've forgotten about him. It's strange, isn't it? As soon as Best of Super Juniors finish, all those names just disappear from the forefront of your mind. It, and that's what was my concern, right? A, a, a year is a long time, and he's had an outstanding year to date, right? And that's Best of the Super Juniors. But then I said, hey, listen, remember, we've got uh, G1 coming up. And G1 really is... <laughs> you know, can, it's it's the it's it's the it's the meaty part of the year where you're going to get plenty of great matches and sometimes we forget about you know people in the beginning of the year and it's always the way every year we go through the same struggle you know Ricochet's had that issue Kota Ibushi's had that issue where the beginning of the year is just unbelievable and then G1 happens and you know and the, and the later things in the year so that's that was my concern but I think Absolutely, Will's got to be on that list. Um, so, again, there's lots of names. Are they all top 10? Is, is all of them top 10 New Japan? Listen, we got seven or eight that there, and then a handful that you can make an argument with. And and 
people from other promotions, it might be a little bit. I mean, L.A. Park is is he is he in that that list? Not for me personally, but I know there'd be plenty of people out there who would say that he is. Yeah, I mean, and 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 listen, I I could listen to that argument, right? You're not going to come to me and be like, oh, Brock Lesnar, right? Like, you, it's hard to listen to that argument, right? Um, or you know, really, I mean, and I I don't say this to to be knocking the 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 big e but i would be aside from a few people in NXT um uh, Pete Dunne um would Ricochet has he had a, a quality year uh, enough to 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 be in that conversation maybe no there are not any real quality okay. matches okay i don't think you could put AJ in that in this year right you know you know you know he's not in that conversation of top 10 no, no one from the main roster is. I mean, you could make the argument for Andrade Almas, but uh, basically everything that he's done since moving up to SmackDown has been, uh, well, next to nothing really. Some squash matches, a mm-hmm. couple of half-decent matches, but nothing on the level that he was doing in NXT earlier in the year. Okay. So, and again, we're just talking about this calendar year, 2018. We're not talking about the entire body of work of best wrestlers on the planet. We're just talking about 2018. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't watch the product a ton, but I listen to other people's opinions and I read about other people's opinions and um, people that, you know, I kind of respect. And, and I, even the shows that I have watched, I don't watch every WWE show, but I watch, the, you know, they're, they're, they're big. I don't do they call them pay-per-views anymore you know they're big shows um I haven't seen network them, so. specials network specials is that what we're calling them okay all right how about a um no I was going to even say like Oscar <laughs> you know I can I I mean I mean NXT wise um you could make that argument I think but not now um yeah so it's hard um, ju- um juice I don't think he's top 10 I, I I think he's great but I don't think he's top 10 um but I think Dave's got a point. You know, a lot of those names are are, are names that we rattled off that that are New Japan, and and that's you know that's 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 why we do a show for New Japan. That's one of the reasons because of the in 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 ring work um, that goes on. So he's he's he, he might be on to something. Okay, we're reaching the fifty-two minute mark. But before we get onto the G one, just one little trip to the hunky corner. Mm-mm. So, you want to talk about some tasty hunks, do ya? Well, let's head on down to the hunky corner. Sponsored by Noah's Penis. Uh, thank you very much to Andrew T. Rich for that wonderful musical stinger there. Uh, we need to apologize to Marty Asami, who we forgot to give a shout out as uh, in the mix for Hunky Referee. And a question from Noah's Penis, which past NJPW wrestler had the greatest fall from hunk to no longer a hunk? <laughs> I, Noah's Penis is legitimately my favorite bit on the show every time. Um, he's, who has fallen from grace the hardest, who was once a hunk and is now no longer a hunk is the question. Boy, oh boy, Noah's Penis. Uh, I can't wait for this women's division to open up in New Japan. <laughs> Um, Noah's penis. I'm gonna say, uh, and again, I'm certainly not qualified in in this, but uh, one man's opinion here. <sighs> what, oh, Ricky Chocho. 
again. If you go Ricky Choshu, early 80s, you can make an argument. I'm sure he's he had he got a lot of the ladies, right? He was a bit of a, a bit of a rebelly rock star. So I would say that. And then uh, to where he is now, he is Father Time has not been too kind to Ricky Choshu. So um, I'll go I'll go there from hunk to non hunkness um, for for that. And again, I'm certainly no expert at that. Here's a hot take. How about Minoru Suzuki? Because he was pretty hunky back in the day. There's You can go back and see it. He had a nice full head of hair. Quite a sexy man. But now he's... I'm not saying he's not sexy, but he's very terrifying as well. And I think the scariness has overtaken the attractiveness at this point. So there's my two cents. Really? There. I think I think uh, just the opposite. I think uh, I think some people find that attractive, to be, to be truthful. Um, the fact I, I, and I will go so far as to say for a 50 something year old guy, right. Uh, he makes the most of what he's got. I'll get, I, I think that's true. And he, and he plays that up. He's a confident guy and he's, uh, uh, um, he's very, uh, um, um, you know, straight ahead. And, and, uh, some, again, some, some people might, might find that attractiveness, that scariness. So, uh, um, I don't know. I'm going to, I would debate that, uh, count counterpoint on, on Suzuki losing his hunkiness okay let's get down to the g1 then quick bit of financial news if you like uh, according to the wrestling observer newsletter g1 attendances are up 40 percent this year so any hot takes on that damon it's all good news right you can't you can't um be disappointed in that bigger buildings mean more people means more money in their pockets um they they need every dollar they can with U.S. expansion and with the goals that they have in mind. They have new leadership, so that's uh, always going to be interesting. The product is not 90s hot. It's not 80s hot, but it's hotter than it's been in quite a long time. So, yeah, 40% is nothing to hand wave. That's, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with you know the, 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 the people that are in the promotion um, there's a lot of compelling characters. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the idea of expansion, but the idea of that there are bigger than just a Japanese promotion, right? And I think that is a mentality and a um, a posture that they have now that maybe they didn't have even you know two or three years ago. Um, so I think that's just the perception of, hey, this is a cool product. Hey, this is a place that you that you want to get into and, and, and see and be a fan of. That that comes from within. And if you don't have that, then it's hard to kind of have somebody um, latch on to that. So I think that's that's a difference of, of mindset that they have too. Um, no, all good things. Um, anytime that you hear them making money, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on that. And that's why I'll never criticize somebody for being a fan. For whatever reason, they're a fan. If they're a fan of the comedy and they they get that from New Japan, okay, cool. It's not my cup of tea, but great. If you like the match quality, okay, great. We, we might be on the same page, but cool. Hey, as long as you're throwing money at the promotion, that, that's really what I care about, Making helping them see, see um, be in the black and produce great product consistently, and um, that's all I care about. All right, there you go. All right, JDM at option underscore zero asks, has the G1 been more digestible this year? A block being the story, character-based means I'm not compelled to dodge spoilers and watch live. B block is so good, it's easy to stay up for. Then we have nice days off to catch up. And Nat 
at a silent flu says in your estimation how would an average japanese national uh, njpw fan likely consume the g1 climax are many completionists as yourselves or would one just watch a few here and there goto is bringing it home boys so mm. uh, what are your thoughts on that is it more digestible and from what you know i mean i don't know if you know any japanese fans but how might the average person take in the g1 i do and um I mean, I think it's, there's all levels, right? There are there are those that um, will watch everything, and there are those that can catch just the the tournament matches. Um, how they digest it? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they 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 subscribe to World. The people that I know, um, but that being said, they are very busy, right? It's just, it just seems like a weird, uh, not weird. It's just what they're. He, the, the, they always work. They're always working. So they don't have time to watch everything. Um, and again, that's just the people I know. For me, um, it has been more easily digestible than just about anyone. And to me, a to this point where we are, and again, we haven't gotten to the finals or the semifinals yet, but where we are right now in G1, this might be my favorite G1 of all time. Um, now, I say that with an asterisk in the sense that I'm, for the most part, I'm not watching a ton of the undercard matches, right? So I am uh, skipping over those and really just going toward the tournament matches. Two, because I know me, right? I know my energy levels and I know what I can handle. There are some people that, you know, decided they're going to jump right in. They're going to watch everything, right? And that's cool. But I know that there are people that tried that and, you know, they're tapping out already. They just can't keep up. Um, it's hard. It's it's, but it ha- for me, it hasn't been a, uh, a any type of punishment. And on the days where they don't have shows, I I, I miss it. Um, there's there's something for everyone. There's a style for everyone. There's the comedy. There is the bullshit. There is the storyline stuff. There is the 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 quality matches. You know, we've had two or three matches that you could you could argue at least uh, five stars. Um, and then we've had a handful that, you know, are just scraping right up against it. So um, there's something for everyone. There's comedy. There's there's um, high pace, slow paced. So, again, something for everybody. So um, I, I don't see how you could not enjoy this. And I don't know anybody who's who's has has for the entire tournament given it a thumbs down. I don't know one person. There are people that, again, there are that certain parts they enjoy more than others. But there's no one that I that I know anyway, where I that I've seen where I've been like, ah, fuck the G1, this stinks. To me, if, if that's the case, I, I I'm I'm questioning your your fandom of of pro wrestling, right? Because again, there's something in here for everybody, and um, the matches are enjoyable and fun, and uh, I've been in all the way for the most part for just about everything. Okay, uh, likewise, I think the fact that I live in Asia means it's even easier for me to digest them because they're all like late afternoon, early evening viewing. So I'm able to watch most of them live. Even if I can't catch them live, I could just watch them before I go to bed. So it's perfect. So double thumbs up from me. Uh, Question here from TJ. With so many ref bumps in this G1, what's been your favourite? And similar questions from at John Bonney. Is this the highest number of ref bumps we've seen in any G1? Seems like those dozy sods are getting hammered in every match. CH92 at Kuni Saito 188. What do you think about NJPW refereeing? I can't understand why NJPW turns referees into idiots. So uh, your general thoughts on the state of refereeing so far in the G1? There have been a lot. There have been a lot, haven't there, Joel? There, I mean, that especially 
you know, the Fale matches, the the Tamatanga matches, the Jay White matches. But the, the, the problem is this. And again, I understand the character work. Please stop. The problem is this. And again, these these are people we're not uh, they're coming to us with these these complaints and these issues with the ref bumps. What was it? If somebody had a stat, it was like 40% of the matches have had a ref bump. That seems like a lot. It seems like you know, every time you turn around, you know, that's that's almost half of the matches. If if that stat yeah, is compared accurate. to last year, last year was more or less clean finishes all the way. It's been quite jarring comparing the two of them. Right, and the and the and the problem is is that, and if and again, this is not just I'm listening to booze coming across a microphone on a broadcast. What the feedback that I've gotten from two people who have attended are. These are boos that are bad boos. These aren't good boos. These are bad boos. There's a lot of hand waving, right? At the at the venues, right? And again, that's just the feedback that I've gotten. Um over and above that, the people watching and and people that I know when my phone blows up, uh that are not only like, "Ugh, this is really getting out of control." I like complete uh, the whole range of of uh this is really not for me. All the way to this really fucking sucks. To you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I only got so many hours in a day, and I'm skipping these fucking matches because I know what I'm going to get. And the matches themselves aren't that great to boot, right? They're not worth my time um, to 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 then get to a finish that is just going to deflate the balloon anyway. And these are people that I know that are that are saying these things. Now I fit somewhere in the middle of this. It 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 has become a little bit overbearing when it comes to the ref bumps. It does deflate the balloon, um, and and the matches, truth be told, haven't been that compelling to me. Uh, they haven't been that great. Now Jay White came off a match with I think it was Elgin, right? That I that I really enjoyed. I thought that was a really great match. Um, but again, I, I was a little bit on uh, on the Okada match. I was a little uh, on on the Tanahashi match. Folly matches, or you know, I, I feel like I could skip them. The Tamatanga matches, they've been okay. They haven't been great. They've been okay. Um, and I really think, and especially with him, it, I, I um, somebody had tweeted a, a great quote, and and I want to, I I. I took a screenshot of it because I really thought it was, it kind of summarized exactly how I feel of that situation uh, when it comes to the Tamatanga that, and again, this is um, at tape machines, T A P E who had the quote. And it's like, he's got absolutely everything you want other than the fact that he's not able to have actual good matches. I, I I'm going to be, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, this is what his third year in G1. Name me a great Tamatanga match. I, 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 and again, please don't come to me with, oh, he's working heel. You can be a heel and still have great matches. I mean, you can be the dickiest dick and still have great matches. Uh, um, you could be a brawling type wrestler and still have great matches. You could be a high flyer and still have great matches. You could, it's there. I mean, Look at Suzuki you know, and, and Makabe is a perfect example of a brawl that was really fucking good. 
it can be done. And and he has the tools that everybody says he has, and you can see them in the ring, and there were pockets of, whoa, fuck, look at that. Look at what he can do. We're just waiting for that one moment of a great match, and I'm just being as objective as possible. And and, and people could be like, oh, fuck Damon. Okay, all right, great. I, I get it. You, you know, I haven't, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I know I, I don't want to I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that there it's, it's it's just not there yet. And I think that that the majority of people and the feedback that we have received kind of echo that. I don't think it's just me standing on top of a mountain pointing a finger at Tamatanga. There's a lot of people that feel exactly the same way. If we're talking specifics, I really enjoyed the ref bump when Jay White was about to get hit by the Rainmaker and he knew he was going to get hit by the Rainmaker. So he just flung his arm out to whack the referee just before he ate that uh, the Rainmaker. So if you are creative about it and change it up each night and make it interesting, then it can work. But it seems that a lot of parties are running out of ideas at this point, which we're going to touch on later. Uh, just a quick undercard question uh, from Andrea at uh, ASCII40. Which G1 undercard tag team is the best? Um, I would give shout-outs to Juice Robinson and David Finley. I think they're a really good tag team. And also the Bullet Club tag team of Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens as the, the lovable losers. I quite like them. How about you, Damon? Yeah, I was going to go with, with, with any combination involving Chase. Um, again, that's not the best position to be put in to be the guy that's you know working the undercards every single night. And if you are tagging with, and, I, and again I put it in the air quotes, the star, you know the majority of the time you're the guy that's taking the pinfall. So um, you have to appreciate those people that that are willing to do that, especially in the scorching heat that Japan is experiencing right now. Uh, so yeah, I would go with uh, any combination of maybe Kenny and Chase. Um, I, w- I would, I would, I would give them the, the the nod in this one. Okay, and uh, last question before we get into the actual matches. At J Michael Mastro says, "Who is the best and worst in the increasingly mandatory backstage interviews this tour? Did Wank Maggot J White mm. uh, lap the pack yesterday? Will Makabe ever stop rambling?" And Nat asks, "Could you talk about your take and view on promos in NJPW and Nihon Prores overall? Also, the translation advancements in the past year or so. State of the promo unions, please." Yes. Um, again, I don't. The, the translations are wonderful. They they certainly help because I do not speak the language of uh, Japanese. But um, to me, the, the the one person who I think is head and shoulders when it comes to interviews and promo segments, and the ones that I really look forward to hearing and will go out of my way to hear, um, is is Juice Robinson. Um, to me, that that's compelling and honest and and from the heart and uh, definitely not scripted. Um, I I really feel like like he is head and shoulders above the rest. Um, now there are people who love the shock value, and I put that in air quotes because it really isn't that shocking. But you know Jay White going off about how people who watch the product what, what was the line the cum in the the, the, the cum stomach or what is it a dried <laughs> cum, cum dried or, on your belly yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're not animals, Jay. I use a sock, okay? I'm uh <laughs> I'm digging, I've I have some level of class. Um like I don't know if that's like to me that's just kind of like that's where we are <laughs> in a wrestling promo. Uh, making f- 
fun of fans? What? Um, that made me laugh, but I, I thought it was more effective when he called Suzuki an old fuck because at least he was actually talking about his opponent there. And right. likewise, I like Suzuki talking that he's going to stab Jay White in the head or whatever it was he said he was going to do. Yeah. Like, that's the, to me, that's who the promo is for. It's not for the people watching at home. I mean, that's that seems we, a weird thing to cut a promo on. Like, I, like, like, it seems like, again, working heel is making fun of the, the people who are the most passionate about your product. I never understood that line of, uh, of thinking. Um, you know, uh, imagine that in, in like, like legitimate sport. You know? Look, you let know? me explain something to you, Damon. In what? professional wrestling, you usually yeah. have bad guys called the heels oh. and they're doing it on purpose to try and elicit a negative reaction from you. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that before, no. but I'll just point out, you know. Oh, I, I, well, I appreciate that. I, I never picked up on that dynamic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, hmm. So, oh, so they're not, okay. Well, look, I will say this, all kidding aside, that I'm not a fan of the make fun of fan promo. Um, I will say this. I did laugh a, a bit at Kenny Omega's uh, response to the disqualification win and, and him having his average star rating be uh, fucked up. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, if, if I'm looking at promos from a pure English-speaking perspective, um, I'm going to go with Juice as the, as my number one. And then, you know what? Zach's got to be on there, too. Because Zach, I don't I, – I, I, to me – it, it might be the, the the overwhelming Britishness of it, but it's it is he is one of those guys that I do enjoy. His his style of being a dickhead is is right up my alley, so I I might enjoy that a little bit more. Okay, so let's get into it then. After one hour and ten minutes, uh, G one night four Thursday, July the nineteenth in Karakawan Hall. The B block opened up with Sanada beating Tamatonga in ten minutes with a rolling back clutch. A few questions for you here. Ace at AWQ1985. How are you enjoying the Tamatonga matches so far? Ethan at Swamp Camelot. Are we all convinced now that Tamatonga sucks? Give me a Yoshihashi match any day over Tama. Hopefully he'll be in WWE sooner. Probably not after his Twitter rampage. So I don't have to ever watch him again. At Tranquilo992. Is Firing Squad the first failure subgroup of Bullet Club since the club in WWE? At J. Michael Mastro. Does the relentless Bullet Club OG Navery violate the ethos of the G1? Or just our expectations of what a G1 should be it's the longest sustained period of relevant shows to exploit but it does clash with the g1 work rate mythos they also help build so what did you think of this sanada tamatonga match and i know you've already spoken a bit about tamatonga but your overall thoughts on his contributions i don't think tamatonga sucks i, I think that's a stretch right because I, I don't i don't think i think he's i i, I think it's there I, I maybe i'm um like the 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 silly boy who thinks the girl is going to call him or you know or i, I don't know I, I i think it's there i just I, I, there's so you know what much... it is you watch the simpsons uh, yeah 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 i have yeah the camp crusty episode crusty's coming crusty will come <laughs> right 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 crusty's not coming kids <laughs> right i right. maybe maybe i'm just holding out hope right um but I haven't seen it yet. You know, let's let's be truthful. I have yet to see it. Um, this match was okay. Um, I mean, uh, you know, it's it it is the the interference storyline that people are 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 not excited for. Um, it's 
it's it's every single match. It's it it doesn't have to be every single match. Um, and it makes no sense, and it takes me out of the enjoyment of it. I do like the fact that Sonata did get the one upsmanship thing, right? He and he outsmarted and outworked all the, the, the that was that was pressed against him, and all that was you know he was up against. Um, again, I don't know if 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 I've if I've seen this Tamatanga match um, that has blown me away yet, or has been great yet, and and. You know, I, I think it's there. I hope it's there. But Sonata gets two points, his first two points, you know, and I was kind of in I don't I was probably low threes at best when it came to this match. I was probably in the, in the low threes. Yeah, likewise. And I've made my peace with the Tongans and what they're bringing to the table in this G one. But uh, it doesn't mean I have to like it. But that said, when I watched this, I did cheer when Sonata won. So Maybe that means there is some value in the heel tactics because the finish was quite smart. It made Sanada look great. But the challenge and what I think they're struggling with at the moment is keeping the interference fresh and interesting and creative and have me guessing, you know, is the baby face going to get around it this time? Or even have Tamatonga cheat to win in some other ways because in kayfabe wise, I understand or maybe the story is that he's not good enough to beat most of these guys in the B block on his own skills. But on the other hand, people who face Tamatonga or Bad Luck Fale should know that the interference is coming and they should plan ahead for it. It would be good to see some people coming out with backup, seeing as they all belong to certain factions, because I don't want my baby faces to look stupid where they do inevitably get uh, outnumbered three on one and standing around like, oh, how's this happened? They know it's happening and you would expect in G1 uh, canon for wrestlers to be watching tape on each other you know if you've got Tamatonga up as your next match you want to watch Tamatonga's match to see what he's all about so I would like to see some improvements in that area but I don't know if we're going to get them um I must admit I did actually laugh out loud when Tangaloa interfered at first when he grabbed Sanada's ankle and then he was pretending to be dusting off the ring right. and I like the fact that Hunky Marty Asami sent him out so again this is what they're going with. There are ways that they can make it more palatable for me. Right. And and here's the thing, too. Yet While um, we did see later on in G1, I think it was the Kenny Omega match uh, with Tama Tonga, there, you know, we did see other faction members of the Bullet Club, Chase and Hangman, come to, to Kenny's aid for certain periods of time. So that they the people it did seem like you know they were waking up. But, yeah, you would think LIJ would be around. And I think they should be out from the start. I mean, and and you did see that again later on. Bushi, inter, you know, did did missed in in, in another match. Um, uh, where, no, my point is they should be coming out at the beginning yeah. of the match. Like when I agree. you know, Evil comes out for his match, he should have Bushi and Naito there or whatever to uh, nip that in the bud, rather than them running in at the last minute. Because that's happened about three or four times now, and it's a bit like, right. Ugh, okay, this right. again. Right. And now I will say this as well, too. And again, maybe I'm being a little bit of a devil's advocate here. Maybe. Um, in, in also in, in later interference, like times where there was interference and you're thinking, oh, he's going to get a win here. And th- there's, there's the, the balloon being deflated. The referees have gotten a little bit of solidarity and a little bit of balls and a little bit of, um, you know, they're, they're not made to look like just complete boobs. Um, and again, the one that will stand out in in time is is red shoes. You know, what was it? Multiple ref bumps. 
and then finally he he ready to 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 make a pin and he the big stalling one big stall two and then he stops reconsiders and you know shoots a double bird <laughs> that was a a moment where i popped and i laughed and and probably laughed harder than than a an adult should um and again maybe that's 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 why they're doing what they're doing for those type of moments um the dqs um again i'm i'm not a fan of the dqs if if there is a silver lining and maybe i'm just trying to look for a silver lining i'm trying to look for the positive i don't want to be negative damon um maybe i'm looking for it it's it's that there is becoming the solidarity of the refs of not putting up with the non too much nonsense they they're seeing what they're doing and they're and they're trying to take steps i mean there was one show where um, they were throwing them in the back. They were like, "All right, fuck this, get 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 out." You know, I've had enough. You you, you everybody goes to the back. So um, there are moments. Is it for me? No, but again, maybe I'm just trying to find a silver lining. All right. Next question then at Rapongi underscore. What do you make of Tamatonga going off on all these people on Twitter and oh. Nicole at Booze Leprechaun saying, "Can we repackage the Kenny's done a thing jingle to Tama's done a thing?" As he's gone scorched earth on his Twitter mentions, and one could say maybe he's gone a step too far. So he just went off on one yesterday. He seemed to be attacking one guy in particular, and was coming up with some really quite hateful things, hateful language. You know, sexist you could you could argue homophobic language calling him a a pussy saying that he wished he was dead and if we are taking other wrestlers to task like kenny omega for his quote-unquote racist promo or hinare for what he said then uh to be fair you know we we got to go with both barrels for tamatonga because some of the stuff he said here is pretty horrid and it doesn't get a pass just because oh he's a heel he's in character it's heel tactics because yeah you can be a heel but you should think up more creative and interesting ways of being a heel rather than calling someone a pussy on Twitter. So uh, what are your thoughts on this? I, I think it's shit. I really do. I think it's, I, I really do. I think it's horrible. I think, I think just, just stay off the social media, man. I mean, really just stay off the social media. It kind of goes back to our original point. It's just, it's, it, how is that doing anyone any good? It really, I mean, I, I, I don't so few people seeing this you're, you're getting like a, maybe a few hundred people seeing this top so it's not as if it's building up massive heat for his next match at Krakow and Hall or whatever because the Japanese people sure as shit aren't seeing it they don't care and it's a very small minority of uh, extremely online wrestling fans that are seeing it and it's just kind of a bit sad because I just imagine Tamatonga in a bit of a frenzy in his hotel room constantly refreshing to uh, keep seeing oh what has he replied yet oh I'm going to call him this I'm going to call him that it's just it's very undignified yeah i think i just again i just think that that they could be better at that i don't i don't uh, i don't understand like that's not like like if somebody's reading that and and is that does that make them buy a ticket does that make them like to me being a heel back in the day and even today i mean the end result of being a heel is to you know buy help you know make somebody buy a ticket that was really the the point of it um and but again i I just think in 2018 i don't know if anybody's buying a ticket because somebody is a heel and somebody is a baby face like i just i don't i mean i think the dynamic and storylines 
involved in 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 the match could have somebody buy a ticket, but I don't. I, I'm I'm really hard pressed to be like, oh, he's working a heel and 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 that being beneficial, like especially deciding to go off on people on Twitter. Just just wrestlers, please just get the fuck off the Twitter. Just it's really. It's not worth it. It really isn't. I don't see how it's worth it at all. Um, Especially I, if he gets hired by WWE somewhere down the line. He's going to have to go back and delete all of those. Yeah. I mean, but it's not like everybody doesn't screenshot everything anyway. And people... Like, there's a huge audience out there that are just looking for any little nook and cranny to, to you know, to, to bring up. There are people that, I think, wake up every day with the sole purpose of scouring Twitter, looking for somebody to to misstep in what they say and what they do and how they react. And um, I, I, I just think that they could be better. I really do. I really think they could be better. And if they feel like they can't, listen, I don't think I could be that great. Let's Let's, let's be truthful here. I know my weaknesses. I know my, I, I couldn't, that's why I'm not on Twitter. I just don't think it's a place for me because I couldn't handle hearing, oh, fucking Super JK sucks and Damon sucks and Joel sucks and they fucking don't know what they're talking. You know, I don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. And and if you're a pro We've got some good segments and stingers out of it, though. <laughs> that's a good point. You know what? You, we do have great bits that we can use. But to me, it's just like, man, I again, it's not helping you any. How is it helping you? How is Twitter helping you make money? That's really the bottom line, unless you're like Kenny Omega or the Bucks. Like, is Twitter helping you make money aside from putting out, I'm going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina Tuesday, and I'm going to be in Topeka, Kansas Thursday. Come buy my T-shirt. Here's a link to my pro wrestling tees. Right? Aside from that, getting into, getting into this type of nonsense, how is that helping you make money? At the end of the day, how does that help you put food on your table? How does that help you... Um, you know, pay for your house and 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 move up a card and be a main event pro wrestler. I don't understand yelling at fans on Twitter how that makes you a better pro wrestler. I, I don't see it. One of the more uh, interesting aspects of this was <laughs> Tamatonga calling someone a quote unquote flame ass Dorito. And then the person saying it it was an ethnic slur because of his Celtic <laughs> racial heritage. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But my response was to just laugh at the sheer absurdity of it. Oh, my Lord. Twitter never fails to fucking disappoint. Ah, just everybody log off. Let's everybody log okay. off and go, and go outside for the day. It's, it's going to be a nice day today, guys. Go, out, go outside. Let's enjoy. Go get yourself a, a nice uh, iced coffee or uh, maybe, uh, 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 you know, just let's enjoy the day. Let's log off for the day and just let's just let's just enjoy the sunshine, shall we? Or oh, a catchphrase I like, log off and get in the bin. But your, your one was nicer. All right, let's move on. Next match then. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. beat Torriano in 10 minutes with a modified European clutch. So again, a couple of questions to go with this one. Michael at Mikey8422. What's the likelihood of ZSJ tapping out Kenny and getting a title shot at King Pro Wrestling? And Wilfred Watches podcast at Wilfred Watches, who's also one of the kings of pro wrestling podcast guys. Joel, is Zack Sabre Jr. the best labor wrestler ever? Yes, he is. Uh, I don't know any others. If you do, then send them my way and I can make a, a, a proper 
balanced judgment. And JDM asks, does ZSJ take over Suzuki-Goon eventually? Suzuki has to retire eventually, and it seems ZSJ is being grouped. So what did you think of this uh, Zack against Yano match and the future prospects of Mr. Sabre Jr.? Oh, um, I love the match. I thought that I, I, here's one thing about the Yano matches. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed them. I think they've been fun and exciting, and there's been an energy to them. And that, I, that's one of the things that Yano brings to the table is this idea of unpredictability. And again, I like the idea of him trying and struggling to um, be on the up and up and not resort to the Yano ways, um, which I think is a fun, interesting story. Um, I thought they were creative. I, I like the, uh, the uh, some of the, uh, the the tie up spots and the fact that Corkin, you know, were, was was all in on Yano being on the up and up and and the stretches and and uh, his uh, ability to uh, get out of holes and, and takedowns and the fireman carries right those fireman carry takedowns and all were pretty. I mean, everything was fun. Um, exciting and 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 to me, I I was darn near close to four stars on this, right? For for a a Yano match, that's that's saying something. I I would take, I would right now I'll take a Yano match over uh, 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 any of the of the firing squad matches. I would take Yano any day of the week over any of the, of the firing squad without question. Yeah, I definitely agree that this was a very entertaining match. And the way they laid it out, Zach was dominating so much in the first part that I was convinced Yano was going to win. And when Yano was playing fair, he got smothered. Uh, but having said that, when he cheated, he still lost. So I don't know if there's any real long-term consistency with this uh, Yano storytelling, but we'll, we'll wait and see, give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I like it. It's a refreshing twist on his usual shenanigans. Uh, I wonder if he's doing this because the Bullet Club and Jay White have got dibs on all the shenanigans. So I don't know if he's been told to play it a bit more straight or if he's decided to do that off his own back. But it's definitely working. This match isn't as funny as I thought it was going to be because both of uh, Zach and Yano are pretty entertaining guys. They make me laugh. So I thought they'd come up with a comedy match, but they didn't. It was really compelling. I bought all the count-out teases, the roll-up spots. Like you said, the crowd are really into Yano, honest Yano, when he did that abdominal stretch. They went wild. They lost it. It was great. Yeah. Uh, he's got real babyface charisma there. And it was interesting that there were two clutch finishes in a row, which I guess played into the upcoming match uh, between Sanada and Zack Sabre Jr. So it was very good stuff from both men. Yeah, the, I mean, the the, the roll-ups and the, and the blocking of the low blows and, you know, where Yano kind of... Uh, feels his way back into being Yano of old. Um, I don't think I don't think Saber is going to be the leader of Suzuki Gun. I don't I don't see that necessarily happening. Um, I think he is a a a cog in the Suzuki Gun wheel, but I don't think he's that, that's Suzuki's thing. So once Suzuki decides to end that, that'll end. I can't see him taking over and carrying that torch and, and being the Suzuki Gun guy. Title shot for him, maybe a. a win over sure. Kenny in the G1? I mean, it could happen. I can't say it won't. Um, I think everybody would... Might be would good be... for the, the the show in the States later on in the year. I think you could put that anywhere. I think that would do... I think that would do well anywhere. Um, I don't know... I don't know if necessarily we will see it. Um, but if but if Kenny's going to lose... Um, and again, it depends upon where you went with your brackets with Kodak. 
Ibushi, um, Zach might be one of those guys that would be really fun to see in a uh, a title shot uh, against Omega. I would I would be absolutely all in on that. Okay, next match then. Kota Ibushi beat Juice Robinson in 13 minutes with a Kamigoye. JDM asks, on random ass night four, we got a moonsault off with Ibushi hitting off a ring post to the damn gate and Kenny jumping off a guardrail into the bleachers. How many total moonsaults are we getting of Budokan combined with these two? So what do you think of this match and this little challenge that seems to be running between Kenny and Kota? <laughs> For uh, the craziest moves of the of the night and of the tournament. Uh I I think we'll see plenty of, of moonsaults. I thought I think that move was was spectacular. Actually, again, that this this was not jumping from uh, the turnbuckles. This was from the post, right? So again, one uh, one little bit of uh, water on the sole of a boot, and Coda's flying backwards <laughs> onto the ground. Uh, I I like juice. In the fighting baby face, I got to get a win type of of role, right? And I think it's odd right now. Again, skipping ahead a little bit and spoiler a little bit uh, with Juice not being able to pick secure a win as of yet. Um, but when Juice is in the ring with a quality op- opponent, you see where he, the progression he is going. Um, the, the thing that I noticed the most about Juice is this. His progression is not like year to year to me. It's really six months. Like if you take a look at where Juice is right now, progression-wise, and compare it to, say, Wrestle Kingdom right, of this year, it feels like it is light years ahead, Juice is. And if you take Juice right now and you go back a year to where he was, um, and again, ring, character, style, confidence, uh, uh, projecting that confidence, and where he is right now. It's like night and fucking day. It, 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 it's, it's an amazing thing how he just seems to – it's kind of like the person that you know who's losing weight, and you, and you don't see them, even though you do see them every day. And then just one day you look at it, and you're like, holy fuck, you lost um, you know, a lot of weight, and you look great. Um that that's kind of like juice. Like every six months, you're kind of looking and being like, "Man, you lost some fucking weight." Um, so, uh, again, you're in the ring with Kota Ibushi. It's kind of hard not to have a great match. And I was uh, I was at four with this one. Um, I know we had talked about this one earlier. Um, um, I'm at I'm at I'm at the four, um, and I thought this was a great match. And yeah, one of Juice's best matches. Yeah, likewise. I thought it was awesome. I love having the baby face versus baby face dynamic in a G1 and. I think Kota's selling is a really underrated part of his game. It was top-notch. Juice's facial expressions on point, as always. The intensity between them is very absorbing. And it made you believe that even though this is just a random match in the middle of the G1, it meant everything to both guys. They were both desperate to win. The bumps were insane. The moonsault just defied belief. Like one, A couple of inches either side, and he's breaking his legs. Because you saw it happen at an ROH show um, I think it was last year when one of the the guys from the kingdom moonsaulted and banged his yeah. legs into the the guardrail and, and broke his leg. So it can go very very wrong very easily. And it was just a, a absolutely breathtaking feat of athleticism there. Yeah. Um, shall we go on to the next match then? Yeah, let's do it. 
Tetsuya Naito beat Tomohiro Ishii in 90 minutes with a Destino. Question at John V. Frigno. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry. Naito versus Ishii. Best match of the G1 so far? It's up there, right? I mean, it, uh, to that point, you could either say that or Kenny and uh, Naito, right? Um, those are the two. Um, I, I, I would recommend this as, as being right up there. Um, I'm telling you, uh, and, and I, and I struggled a little bit with this one going, going all in with the five, I went five on this and I went, and we talked a little bit about the show that will never see the air (laughs) at the light of day. This is right about where I looked at my recorder and was like, oh, my God, we're not recording. <laughs> um, but we are recording. I can confirm. We are absolutely recording. Um, where we talked about feeling five stars and how you react. And, and you know, I feel those fives. And there's, there's something that goes on within me. And um, I kind of go through different levels of, you know, to steal a Lanza line, uh, the, the pacing in my den and, uh, you know, the uh, – how I react to certain things and, and, and how I get invested in a match. And I kind of do all that, but then I hit another level of five where I'm, I kind of see myself rocking back and forth in my chair, right? I'm kind of just kind of swaying back and forth, compelled in a match. And that's where it's kind of like you, I would have to shake myself loose and be like, okay, this is a five, right? Um, and I think this was it. I think these two have ridiculously great chemistry. Um, Ishii, Again, I don't know how many times we can say the same thing every single time he puts himself in this position, but he is the he's one of those under not underrated. He's not underrated. He's a middle of the card guy that produces every time he goes out there. And I think that's what separates New Japan from a lot of different promotions is that New Japan has a ton of these B and C level guys, guys that are never going to be the heavyweight champion. Yeah, I, 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 Ishii will never be the. Uh, you can, you can take this audio, save it, store it, because it'll never happen. Ishii will never be the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, but he is one of the best wrestlers consistently every single fucking year, um, and that's what makes New Japan so great. And when he's in the ring with a guy so talented like Naito, you're going to get matches like this. And and again. If you didn't go five, that's okay. That's fair. I mean, some people are harder graders than others, but truth be told, I went the full marks for five uh, on this one. It was an amazing, amazing match. Yeah, I went four and a half. For me, as I explained earlier, those two extra quarters, one of them gets from me being emotionally invested in the match like the outcome has got to elicit some sort of response from me like for example the new japan cup final i went four and three quarters because i was cheering so much for zack saber jr to win and when he did win i was like yes like it, you know england had won a football match or something and the last quarter star has got to, to bring up to five there's got to be something big at stake like a big title or something so in terms of the in-ring stuff, this was excellent. And I said it was like a bit like a pissing contest. Just these two guys trying to out-macho each other. And Naito slapping Ishii's head. And Ishii's just got awesome, awesome uh, facial expressions. Despite not having much of a range, seemingly. The way his face just sort of turned when Naito slapped him on the head. And he just turned to look at him. And you just think, oh shit, you're in trouble now, mate. Mm-hmm. And then 
Ishii starts chopping him in the throat. So, yeah, like you said, he is the ultimate gatekeeper. He's not going to win the IWGP heavyweight title. And it's the fact that you've got such quality wrestlers like him, Goto, Suzuki, Shibata, Ibushi, who have never won it, makes people who do win it all the more prestigious. And then you've got your your younger guys, your guys like Evil, Sanada, Juice Robinsons, uh, Jay Whites, who haven't won it yet. Again, having those two layers of the older guys who probably won't win it and the younger guys who haven't won it yet helps to elevate the prestige of the title and make it a really big deal when you finally do win it. Yeah, hey, I agree. Um, you, you need those, those, you know, for a good taco dip, <laughs> you need multiple layers, Joel. Um, so you need a layer of guacamole and salsa and sour cream and uh, meat and cheese. And it's, it's the layers that make it great. Um, and I will say this about Ishii as well. We talk a lot about how well, I really love those um, those strikes that Elgin does and and Suzuki does that just sound meaty and uh, as you described like a baseball bat hitting a, a side of beef. Um, when the chops are devastating to the throat, right? But they don't have that sonic impact that that the others have. But I will say this: Ishii has maybe the most deadly fucking clothesline. Like he has a Stan Hansen-ish clothesline when he goes full full out and just takes somebody's fucking head off. Like, it feels like he's Stan Hansen, channeling Stan Hansen. Um, and he had one that he hit Naito that I swear I thought he knocked him cold um, toward the end of the match. Unbelievable. So he does have that. So, again, we all knew, you know, going into this that, that Ishii was going to deliver, and especially in a match like this. So uh, I went five. I think it's highly recommended. I wouldn't uh, – I would tell everybody that this is a must-watch must match. Um, Joel went a little bit lower, but I think we both are in agreement that uh, this match and, and and the next match are, are must-watch. Um, an interesting tidbit from Chris Charlton at Reason JP, who started reading Naito's autobiography. Seems his sister wanted a pet dog so badly she spent hours putting slippers on his hands and feet and a collar around his neck, walking him around the place. And what did kindergarten and Naito want to do when he grew up? Pump gas. <laughs> uh, my brother wanted to be a trashman. I remember that. I remember he was obsessed with like trash trucks and shit. Um, so, yeah, okay. Uh, he also. Oh, never mind. I'm not gonna say, I was going to say, you also lit fire to trash cans, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, God. When, <laughs> when he was younger, when he was real young. I mean, like, he was, like, you know, not, like, not even in, like, like he was very, like, f- seven or, you know, whatever. And you get a pack of matches, and he would – I think it's okay that I can say I think the statute of limitations is good. Nothing – nobody got hurt. Nobody got burned down. But I remember one time he got caught, and my dad whipped his ass um, – I do remember that. I do remember that vividly um, that day. So uh, there you go. Uh, here's, cheers to you, Pyromaniac. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then finally, speaking of, of uh, lighting the world on fire, uh, we have Kenny Omega and Hiroki Goto in a match that um, I, I went double fives. I, I went back to back fives, Joel, and I felt weird doing it, but. I certainly fucking did it, and Kenny Omega once again delivered, and Hiroki Goto, for being you know one of those guys that people are easy to dismiss, and again might need a new coat of paint, and in a big spot in a big way, 
on a main event, a cork and hall, and a G1. He fucking finds ways to deliver, and I thought this match was fucking outstanding. Yeah, I didn't go as high as you, but again, I thought it was excellent. And you're right to mention Goto because he's having an outstanding G1. So the Sanada match, the Omega match, and the Ishii match have all been very, very good indeed. So the man gives uh, deserves some credit. So credit where it's due for Goto. This had some really brutal spots as well, like when he slammed him onto the benches. That really made me mm. wince. Um, how do you think this compared to their G1 final in 2016? I thought it was right up there with it. Right, I thought. Yeah, I, uh, here's the thing: it might have had a little bit more drama, be, just because, again, as you described, that there are certain elements that that make a match even greater. Again, the positioning of of where it is. This that one being a finals of a G1 as compared to, you know, night four. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, I I I, th- I agree with you. There was some great that you know, obviously everybody remembers the moon sold off the rail. Um, I, let me ask you this. How do you feel about the brawling in the crowd? Do you think that adds to a match, that dynamic of of taking it to the crowd and having people scramble over their, their bags and running for their lives um, and brawling in, in that environment? Do you think that takes away from a match or do you think that adds to a match overall? The It lives and dies by whether or not it has something memorable punctuating it. So, for example, uh, Hiromu and... What's the dude's name? Uh, Taiji Shimori during the Best of Super Juniors final, they did a bit of crowd brawling, and then there was that insane spot with uh, first of all the the John Woo the shotgun drop kick, and then also mm-hmm. uh, Hiromu taking the tumble down the stairs. So I'm not saying that everyone's got to do that each time they brawl in the crowd. For example, the Suzuki against Makabe match, they went out. Well, they weren't quite in the crowd, but they had the little dueling chair spot outside. And then they came to a bit of a, a impasse and a truce and decided to get back in the ring. There's got to be something in there that is memorable or entertaining or spectacular for the crowd wanting to be worth it, in my opinion. If they just go out and brawl and then come back in, then it's no good. It's a waste of time. And often when they do go into the crowds, depending on who it is, I kind of switch off and I might reach for my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, it, it does take me out of it a little bit. I would agree with that. And again, being creative and coming up with creative spots is always helpful. Um, but yeah, you can kind of tell where they're just kind of going out. And, you know, it's like they have 10 minutes uh, to kill in a match and they really only have about three spots that they can that they draw from inside the ring. So, all right, let's take it and brawl outside and kill some time. Um, I don't think this was uh, in this case. But yeah, sometimes it does take me out uh, of it. Um, I do again. Some of the notes that I have is, you know, that that one spot where he Kenny, you know, he's, he's looking to go for the big dive into the crowd, and Goto just wings that fucking chair right, right at his right at his head, um, which was pretty uh, pretty amazing. Um, and then the other thing that I that I have here is. Sometimes I feel like there is a little bit of an over-reliance with Kenny when it comes to the V-triggers. But with that said, there really isn't a move in pro wrestling that gets me to pop out of my chair like a V-trigger. Like, those things always look deadly and devastating. And the way that he, you know... I always talk about how Kenny sells and when he's and when he ragdolls, when he just gets hit with something and he just flies into a turnbuckle and completely ragdolls. 
Um, okay, I, I would jump in and sorry, and make the dis, uh, distinguish between bumping and selling because I think his selling is very goofy and can be quite distracting when he's mm. pulling stupid faces and gurning and grimacing uh, like he's a character out of Dragon Ball Z. But his bumping, like the way you, for like you're talking about, like the way he takes a, a rainmaker and just spins over and, and collapses, is quite spectacular. Okay, yes, good point, and I think that's a good designation. And, and I would tend to agree with what you just said. So yeah, let me be clear in the bumping, right? So, but, but on the flip side of that, he when he when he lands these big V triggers, there is a sense somewhat of. Um, danger and unpredictability with it and when i say that in the way that he delivers it it is a go for it all balls to the wall i'm sticking my knee in your face and chest um and hopefully it lands there um maybe it doesn't um and it's that recklessness that i really like with the v trigger um and the way that it, like he's never not laying that in or at least appearing that he doesn't lay that in as hard and as, again, as reckless as he possibly can. Um, so, yeah, there, there's I can, it, on one side of the coin, there, there is a part of me that's like, wow, okay, another one. But on the flip side, I, I can't get enough of them, right? And just the way that he delivers them. I really love them. Yeah, I agree it would behoove him to do fewer of them. I think one per match would be fine. I would be okay with that personally. Mm -hmm. um, a question here from at Gary on Graps. Who do you think hands Kenny his first loss in the G1 or do you feel he will remain unbeaten? I don't think he's going unbeaten, but who do you think he takes an L from? Um, you know, Zach might be a great one. Um, I still say it's he does lose to Ibushi. I would not be surprised if he goes undefeated the entire way and then loses to Ibushi on the final night. Um, I don't have that in my pool. Um, actually, I had him losing a little bit earlier. Um, so, you know, that's I'm, – I'm really not doing too well in that Voices of Wrestling pool. Um, but but I could see the idea of him clearing the – running the table and then losing to Ibushi in the final round. But if I had to pick another person, um, why not? Let's go Zach. I think that'd be fun. I think the people want to see that, and um, it would lead to an interesting uh, match for the title with with Zach and Oka or Omega. So I'll go I'll go that route, but I would not be surprised if he runs the table and loses to Abushi. Did you catch the crotch chopping fan on this broadcast? Oh, I I look. All right, here's this might not be a popular opinion, but I'm going to say it. Know where the fuck you are. Right? There's a big difference between being at full sale or at the 2300 arena or being in Hammerstein and being a pro wrestling fan and being a pro wrestling fan at a venue in Japan. Know where you are. Know, have some self-awareness. Um, that was, I'm not going to lie, to me, really fucking embarrassing. Um, I'm not going to tell somebody how to be a fan, but... There, there has to be some self-awareness of where you are. And I, I got to be honest, I was not – was, that was cringy for me. That was cringeworthy. Yeah, agree. He looked like he'd had a few too many strong zeros to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with having too many strong zeros, but if you're going to have too many strong zeros, kind of know where you are. You don't do and, – and the people around him were kind of just like, oh, God. And it just gives – 
look, there's going to be a lot of Western fans that come over um, to Japan for the first time, or you know, to to see the pro wrestling. And I and I wholeheartedly encourage everyone because I really feel like it's a life changing thing. But you gotta you gotta be a little bit self aware. You you can't be the ugly American or the uh, or the ugly British guy or the ugly Canadian or well, there's no such a thing as an ugly Canadian. They're so polite. <laughs> um, you know, but you know what I mean. Like you just can't fucking do that. Ah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, people are gonna be like, "Well, he paid his ticket. He can do what he wants." Mm. Again, you're in you're you're somewhere else. Be aware of your surroundings and kind of try you already stick out like a sore thumb try to be a little bit self-aware please jesus christ also if you're one of these japanese shows and you actually want to get on tv and you can feel the camera pointing at you the best thing to do is nothing don't draw attention to yourself you know start clapping keep your eyes firmly on the ring maybe call out the name of your the wrestler that you would like to win because if you start uh, mugging for the camera then that's a surefire way for them to not put you on a broadcast that's my it take is. anyway it is i would agree with that but i will i will also say this that in our society in the states when that camera is on you are encouraged to be the muggy cheery guy you know what i mean you really are oh yeah so, look at the cow palace show it was horrible right every five <laughs> seconds they were cutting to some moron who was gesticulating wildly yeah but but that's in all sports though like you know they have the camera that roams the crowd to put you on the jumbotron in between stoppages of play right and it's the kiss cam and it's the act you know, like a like a fool fan, and and uh, the bongo cam, and uh, there actually is a bongo cam, not the jeans. <laughs> it's, I know you got excited. Um, the um, you know, it's it's a million different things, and music is always blaring uh, at sporting events. And you again, you are to a certain degree encouraged to be cameras on, go act like a fool, right? You, it is so. In, in one regard, you know, it's it's it, the camera's on and you're uh, truth be told, the first instinct is almost to kind of mug a little bit for the camera. You got to be a little bit self-aware. You can't do that. And again, I I don't want to point that person out and, and be you're a terrible fan because I don't think that's true. I would just I'm just going to give the friendly advice and say, know your surroundings, be more self-aware. You, you had to have read up something uh, about the culture and and how people are there. That 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 you had to have known that that might not have been the best thing to do at a pro wrestling show. And so, in so much as Kevin Kelly pointing out, oh, there's the fans enjoying and the British guy. <laughs> right? So you know, just just know your surroundings a little bit. How do you know he was British? He said he was British. Didn't Kevin Kelly say he was British? Yeah, I think he did. But how did he know he was British? I, that I can't answer. Um, I, I can't answer. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe he talked to him beforehand. Who knows? Um, but that's that's the the that's what he said. So I'm just going to go with that narrative. Anyway, said narrative. I feel we're being racially profiled here. I don't like it. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Night five, Friday, July the twentieth, uh, Tokyo Karakuen Hall, A Block. Jay White beat Michael Elgin in 17 minutes with a Blade Runner. Uh, I've really enjoyed this match as well. I particularly like the chair spot with Elgin standing on the two chairs in the crowd and trying something over elaborate and then getting punished 
for it by Jay White, who just dragged him down and smashed him into the barricade. And like I mentioned earlier, Jay White is coming up with new ways to bump the ref. So we should give him points for creativity there because uh, you know it's coming, but you're not quite sure how or when. And uh, the closing stretch was really good in this match. And I just like the story of Jay White realizing that he was losing and then cheating in a clever way to pull out the win. So what did you think of this? No, I really enjoyed this match. And again, for me, I, I again, we did see the low b- blow by Jay White. Um, the, the, you know, ref bumps, some, some nonsense. Um, so again, it can take you out of a match very quickly and it, and it, and I'm not going to lie, kind of did, it did somewhat deflate. It kind of felt like it deflated the crowd a little bit here too. Not only the people watching at home, but even the, the, the people in the arena. Um, but I thought this overall was, was Jay White's best match. Um, I, I was in I was in the low fours, high threes, low fours, um, but there was just a pace and a, um, a a different feel to this, and and a, and a um, I don't know, just maybe maybe a, a a feeling of of that the match was again maybe I'm going to check myself a little bit. I was going to say that the match was important, but it it, it was important to Jay White. Every match is important to Jay White. That's 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 not what I'm trying to say. I just felt like this like he went out here to have a better match than he had with other ones and and less reliance on the character work as opposed to um except in the, in the finish here as opposed to maybe the Tanahashi and, and Okada matches. We've got quite a lot of questions about Jay White. So get ready. Uh, Benji at Ripper on a score moon. Does Switchblade feel like he's starting to get a Roman Reigns type of reaction? Uh, Tyler at The Real Forno. The BCOG's constant interference feels like it's leading to something big, like a massive turn where someone, possibly Switchblade, joins them and starts an NWO-like takeover of New Japan. Stuart at Iverson83. Any chance JY ends up as leader of the firing squad? Allows him to split from chaos without starting a new group and gives them the star they are kissing. I meant missing, but kissing seems more appropriate for the show anyway. Uh, thanks for that. Frankie at uh, TWOMK. Would Damon be less pissed if all this shithousery from the Tongans resulted in a big angle and payoff like Jay White becoming their ace? Or is it still beyond the pale considering this is the G1? Uh, JDM, are we headed to Jay White and the Tongans teaming up to form a South Pacific power trip faction? He is from New Zealand. At the Goldfather 10, do you see the fight for Chaos end with Okada versus White at Wrestle Kingdom 13? Tyler, Chaos has had quite a few undercard tag matches against each other. Could this be playing into the Switchblade storyline at all? Michael at Amazing Pseudo, what do you think the odds are of Switchblade winning A Block? And Joel at Mr. Yoelius, please can you get Damon to bang on about how wrong he was on Jay White? If you can mention that I was right about him, that would be excellent. So as you can see, a lot of people are interested in the Switchblade and we've got a lot of questions about him. Personally, I don't really think it would make sense for the firing squad to have him as their leader because the whole point of that is that they don't have leaders. So it wouldn't really make sense for them to turn on one uh, you know, jacked white guy and then replace him with another one as their leader. Sorry to make it racial, but just, you know, the the similarities are there. Um, So what do you think? Where do you think this Switchblade thing is culminating for both JY and for Chaos? Well, the one thing I do know is this, is that they're putting him in a position to be a top guy, right? JY is um, going to be, if he's not already, a top guy. Um, They're going all in, and they're going to 
the sky's the limit. Of all the people that we talked about, to me, that that's an obvious one. So um, you're going to see him in the mix with an Okada. You're going to see him in the mix with a Naito. You're going to see him in the mix with a Tanahashi. You're going to see him in the mix with an Omega. He's going to be positioned to be wrestling those type of people. Now, whether he's successful in that and whether the character is strong enough for him to to uh, continue and maintain that level over months and years is yet to be seen. Um but make no mistake about it that that's that's where they're going with Jay White. Now, to me, there's more of an upside of a payoff with a Jay White and the continuing of, of building his character than there is with the firing squad. Um, and the only not the only reason I say that, but one of the reasons that I say that is, you know, and again, we're, we're kind of moving ahead a little bit here, but you, you, you go to the, the Tamatanga-Kenny Omega match, and I, I, you would think that Tamatanga would would get a win there. Um, you would think that that's 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 what we're building for, right? We're that that's the reason for all this nonsense that we're that we're that we're being subjected to, and and with that, the storyline of the Tongans breaking off and, and forming their own faction. You would think that would be the payoff for all that we're experiencing and seeing, and yet we still haven't seen that there. And I know that it's still young, and we have a little ways to go. But I, 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 I kind of see a little bit more of a clearer path for Jay White than I do the Tongans, and I feel like the Tongans could very easily fall into this splintered group that really doesn't mean a whole hell, hell of a lot in three months or six months or eight months. Um, them just being mid-card, tag team kind of guys and Fale, you know, getting warmed up at New Japan Cup and G1 and then kind of taking back seats and, and so forth. Um, that, could, that could easily happen where I see Jay White being more of a top-level main event type character and guy just in, in the way that they're positioning him. So... Um, no, I don't see Jay White joining with them. I, I, I see them being separate as separate can be. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to see where the payoff is with the Tongans, to be, to be truthful, um, at this early stage. And I see more of a, of a high ceiling for Jay White than I do the Tongans. Yeah, personally, I see the firing squad thing culminating in a, a tag title win for Gorillas of Destiny. That's about it, really. Uh, I can't see it ending up in anything meaningful. You would have thought that a win over Kenny and a singles match at one of the US shows could still happen, but it seems unlikely now. Um, but again, we'll come to that match later. Uh, let's talk about the next match on this card, which was Minoru Suzuki beating Yoshihashi in 30 minutes with a gotch-style pile driver. What did you think of this? Good. Good, right? Um, not great. I'd say it's okay. And I, I do like the idea that they're trying to make Yoshihashi... Um, you know the comeback story and and constantly looking for two points um but i i also do like the fact that he finished uh, suzuki finished off yoshihashi definitively right uh i mean at the end it was it wasn't like a slip on a banana peel win for suzuki it was you know a couple big fucking cracks across the head rapid fire uh and 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 a gotch uh pile driver and to 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 put him away with a, with an exclamation point, um, 
you know, at the end of the day, that narrative of Yoshihashi being uh, a person who struggles and who even the commentators sometimes question the, his ability to be in G1. You heard that throughout commentary. Um, and even in the beginning, there were, there were comments like, oh, to the tune of, you know, Yoshihashi, we, we appreciate his fight and fighting spirit, but, you know, he's going to get the shit kicked out of him here <laughs> by Suzuki. Uh, again, I, not maybe not one of my favorite matches, right? Um, I do like that story of, of Yoshihashi struggling to find to get a win, um, being a, a, an underdog, trying to find his groove, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think everybody kind of – I don't want to say everybody knew that Suzuki was going to win and there was no way Yoshihashi was going to beat him. But, you know, you can never say never in G1. So um, what is this, like about 10 minutes? It's okay. I, I don't think it's anything that anybody needs to go out of their way to see. One thing I would say is that uh, Yoshihashi's entrance seems to take forever. It's like even longer than fucking Undertaker at WrestleMania. Maybe it's just me, but it just seems interminable. Um, a question from Sean at Movie Burp. Not sure if you answered this one already, but what are your thoughts on Suzuki's updated entrance music? Is it growing on you at all? I mean, it's it's roughly the same. I'm not a big fan of changing of, of themes. You, yeah, I, and and if you listen, I think it's being released today. Uh, my appearance on uh, Music of the Mat, uh, the great uh, Andrew Rich podcast. Um, I kind of talk about that. How you know when you hear songs and you hear themes, you do. Uh, feel almost like a chemical response and a chemical change. And you know when Kushida, the the drums start, you know, you're getting hyped. And you know that when uh, Okada's theme, or his old theme anyway, um, you you knew things, you know, you were going to see greatness. And, you know, to a certain degree, you kind of expect to to hear um, the similarities of of, uh, the uh, Suzuki's music. Do I like the change? It's going to take me a little bit, right? It's going to take me a little bit. I do like the old version, but again, I sometimes feel like change it, for me takes a while for me to, to, to latch on. It's not too different. The major parts are there that everyone likes to sing along with, but yeah, why change a good thing? I don't, I don't understand it, but yeah, oh well, you're just trying to keep it fresh, I guess. Next match, Evil beat Togi Makabe in 10 minutes with the Evil. Uh, I like this. It was a good hard-hitting match. They had a cool lariat battle, and I'm continuing to be impressed by Togi Makabe's output in this G1. He really seems to have stepped it up a notch. Uh, so your thoughts on this match, and also Pete at comms underscore Pete says, is this the last G1 tourney for Togi Makabe, Minoru Suzuki, and Hiroshi Tanahashi? Uh, I would say definitely not Suzuki and Tanahashi, but would not be surprised for Makabe to hang up his boots, although I think he's got at least one or two left in him. Um, so what did you think of this match? I liked it. Um, again, I, I don't know if if, if uh, this reaches a four level, but you're right. Big man style, right? Uh, hard hitting. And I, I think Makabe is, you know, if you're looking at one guy in, in G1 so far, that might be the surprise of the tournament and, and the output that, that uh, and the match quality department. It's him, right? Because I don't think anybody go, went into these matches. They were, they they had the remote in their hand. Uh, during these matches, and they were ready to to, to quickly hit the button, but I, I haven't heard anybody sitting there and hand-waving uh, a Makabe match, which is impressive to me because, again, it's not like we see a ton of Togi Makabe matches during the calendar year. Mostly they're tag matches, and, and, and truth be told, he's not even on every single show. 
um, but usually in an in a tag environment. Um, big man match. I think Evil is very underrated. I think Evil is one of the the better big men in the business right now. Um, again, I kind of my notes here um, have me at um, three and a half stars, and uh, this was, if I'm not mistaken, this was um, Evil's first win of the tournament, right? Yeah, he finally Makabe lost for the first time in a tournament. Um, and I think this was, if I'm not mistaken, this was Evil's first win. I could be wrong, but I have it down as such. Somebody will correct me, I'm sure. Asshole, Damon. It was just, um, it was good. It was fine. But again, this block, when it comes to, you know, I hate the comparisons to the B block, but uh, listen, I think we can all agree B, B block, if you're for, for match quality anyway, they're hard to beat. And and 